Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. We also have co-hosts Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet. We will share with you the wisdom of the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic, Brachma. Michael is the author of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information about the forgiveness process, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, welcome to the show, Mindshifters Radio. Hello and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio. I'm Tim Hayes. I'm your host for the first hour. And today is Thursday, March 23rd, 2023. As always, we're grateful to everyone who's joining us here today, whether you're listening live or through the archives, as we spend another couple of hours teaching and supporting people in using some of the most powerful effective, efficient, and accessible tools I've ever encountered. These tools are available absolutely free through the tireless efforts of Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice on the website at whyagain.org. If you go to that website and click on the links that says Start Here in the upper left-hand corner, it will take you to a page where you can download and read Chapter 24 of Dr. Michael Rice's book, his book is titled, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? And that chapter of the book contains a narrative description and explanation of the primary tool in this work. That tool is called the Reality Management Worksheet, sometimes called the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet. And it's a tool I've been using to great effect for over 18 years to improve the quality of my life and most of my relationships and to turn any negative emotional experience I have into part of the infallible guidance system that each and every one of us has been given. You can also download the actual worksheet process itself. It's a simple PDF file. Click the link, download it, print it off, copy it as often as you'd like, and use it over and over again absolutely free. You can also go to your app store and type in the three words, Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness. And if you do that, before you're done typing the word forgiveness, you'll see the glowing heart icon. If you choose to tap on it, it will let you download a completely free and private app that contains the Reality Management Worksheet, an abbreviated version of that worksheet process, and a copy of the Dragon Klingon game, which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. We hope people do all of that soon and often, primarily because it tends to improve the quality of people's lives the more they actively apply these tools in their life, and secondarily because it tends to prompt comments, questions, answers, and testimonials. And if you have any of those to share with us, please give us a call at 563-999-3581. Once you call that number, if you choose to press 1 on your phone, it will let you uh, let me see that you have a question or comment. Put a icon of a hand by your phone number, 
and I'll turn on the microphone and announce you by your area code, and we can have a conversation. We appreciate whenever anybody chooses to do that because it makes it far easier for us to live into our intention with this work. The intention we have with this work is to be of service. And that's far easier to do when we know how this is landing for you. If we do a worksheet, if we start a discussion, if we um, are reading from some source material, it's um, far easier for us to be in alignment with that which would be of service to you when we know what's resonating for you. So, um, please do so if you are so inclined. Uh, alternately, if you don't want to call in live or you don't have access to that, you could send us an email. You can email me at tjh at mindshifters-academy.org or you can email Jeannie at J-E-A-N-I-E at yagain.org. That's W-H-Y-A-G-A-I-N dot O-R-G. <clears throat> so, um, we have um, plenty of time for comments or questions, suggestions. We've been, uh, we had a, active discussion yesterday about the concept of all events are neutral or the observation from great spiritual teachings that all events are neutral and um, and I should also mention just for the record there will be another support group tonight from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Central and all of the information you would need to join us absolutely free is available at the mindshiftersacademy.org website and there is a separate page for the Tuesday login and a separate page for the Thursday login that's that's a a support group that is held through Zoom so wherever you are if you have internet and you go to the mindshiftersacademy.org website to find out the login info, you can join us absolutely free. So, how can we be of service to you today? What is on your mind? It's been a while since we've done an active worksheet process. And if no one had any other topic for today, I was going to do a worksheet on an event that occurred Tuesday evening. The the core of this work, our fundamental observation, which ties into the discussion we had yesterday about how so many deep spiritual teachings incorporate the observation that all events are neutral. And that's why it could be of use for me to do a worksheet process because if the event is neutral and I'm creating a response to it by how I choose to interpret and pour my mind energy 
into that pattern of thoughts that goes with that interpretation. If that's the only thing that's creating my emotions, which is what we observe in this work, then it makes really good sense if I have an emotional experience that is unpleasant, that I take a look at the process I'm using to create that unpleasant experience and change the process, change the creation process within me. Of course, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever if my emotions are being caused by the outside events or the actions of people around me because that means I don't have any access to changing them. I just have to hope or pray or run away from or attack or bribe or seduce whoever I think is causing my emotions and hope against hope that they will change so that I don't have to experience that emotional state. But again, our observation is how it really works is that my emotions are created by the interpretations I choose and place on life events. And the reality management worksheet is based on the on that observation and it's based on this this other core observation that my true nature is that I'm part of the creative flow and that my my essence is loved, loving, and lovable forever. And as long as I'm choosing to focus on that, as long as I am choosing to remain consciously aware of that, my experience of life is far more preferable than when I forget that or I stumble into um, a much more negative belief and pretend that that is true. So, on Tuesday evening, I had an experience and I threw an interpretation on it that has had me generating uh, originally some sadness and then since then just a kind of a a nagging recurring thought um, thoughts perhaps of um, I wish I could change this situation and what we know in this work is that whenever I have a recurring thought that's either nagging at me or it's negative or it's unpleasant that's a really good thing for me to do a worksheet about to explore what is the internal dynamic I'm using to generate this upset or this recurring negative thought pattern or this negative emotion and so I'm pulling up the app for the phone. I've mentioned in the intro that you can go to your app store and type in the three words, Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness, and get access to this app. And if you do that, 
and you pull up the app and open it, the top option is a reality management wake-up sheet that's abbreviated. And the next option down is the current seven-step wake-up sheet. So I'm pulling up the app and clicking on the current seven-step wake-up sheet. And it says that as I read through this, I can click on any word to bring up a list of definitions. And it asks me to put a number from 0 to 10, which I would associate with the strength of or the intensity of the emotion I'm experiencing that made me decide I'd like to change my reality. I would like to change the process within me that's generating emotion. So today, the emotional upset level, when this first happened, it was probably an 8 out of 10. Now it's probably about a 6. So I'm putting 6 in that slot. And then step 1A asks me to fill in my name. I, Tim, and it says, who am love? I'm experiencing, and here's the emotion. And the emotion was sadness. And the app reminds me to use a separate worksheet for each emotion. And it reminds me that hostility and fear as emotions come from internal corrupt data and they indicate my use of sustained incoherence. This is a term coined by David Bohm, the physicist, which refers to creating a problem with my process and thought and then deciding I'm going to try and think my way out of it. And it just keeps spinning negatively. I can't resolve a problem at the level of mind that created the problem. So whenever I have hostility or fear, it indicates my use of sustained incoherence to build a disturbing internal construct in my mind. And my denial causes my carbon-based memory. What is that? The brain in my head that can only record data and spit it back out. It causes my carbon-based memory to displace my experience of myself as my essence, which is love and the creative energy expressing in form. And it tells me the lie that my emotions are caused by someone or something outside of me, by a trigger. And in this case, the denial means I'm denying the fact that I'm the one that creates my own emotions by creating a belief system and a set of pictures in my mind that say someone or something outside of me is causing my emotions. So on the worksheet in level 1C, it says, my story, my internal reality is that this patient and then what happened was she sent me a text telling me that I abandoned her.
And so I type that into the app. And then I take a nice deep breath, hold it at the top, and slowly exhale. And the app reminds me that if this patient is the one with the problem, why am I the one with the pain? Why do I have sadness if they're having a problem? And step 1D says, the truth is only my thoughts cause my emotional upset. So I take another calming breath. And I identify the thoughts that I'm using to create the sadness. And the sadness is, the thought I'm using to create this is, this person is in pain. And I wish I could help. And the implication is that I can't help. And then 1E says I want to punish. I either want to punish this patient, and I don't have any identifiable punishment thoughts for the patient, but for myself, I just keep generating sadness. I'm going to put keep generating sadness and blame. So then the worksheet prompts me to do a release where I release thoughts about myself. I release my emotion of sadness. I release any thoughts or connection to this patient. I release the story that she texted telling me that I abandoned her. And I release the thought that she's in pain and I can't help. And then I cancel my need to be right. And then I breathe and I soften and I cancel my need to make up another story out of these brain cells to hallucinate proof that my fear and hostility-based story, that my reality is true. I take a breath and hit the button for next, and the app takes me to step two. And step two, point A, it reminds me to choose to honor truth and to willingly face and process out all of the dis-ease producing energies for and from all of my relations and my generations. And it asks me if I'm willing to go through the physical, mental, and emotional symptoms of healing. And again, the physical symptoms could be any physical symptom I've ever had and fatigue. The mental could be any negative thought I've ever had and confusion and the emotional could be any negative emotion I've ever had and depression. And I am willing, and I check mark those boxes and take a breath, and I hit next, and it takes me to step three. And step three is my desire, the constructive result, the exact goal that drives my pain perception is that this patient 
Um, I'll say um, continue therapy and allow me to help. And I breathe and soften. And then I go to step four. Step four says I choose my essence, which is love. And when I focus on that essence of love and I strengthen that energy and that resonance, it strengthens the love in everyone involved. And in my work with people in the support group and in my therapy sessions, here I ask people to do a meditation. I'm just going to do a brief meditation here to think the most loving, safe, happy, connected, joyful thoughts I can. Actual memories of times in my life where I've been filled with joy. And I breathe into that and strengthen that memory until I shift that energy in my heart space away from the sadness that I began the worksheet with over to that loving energy. Then I hit next. And step five says, when I'm upset, my perception is built out of corrupt data. And the thing that drives my mind to use that particular data is my goal for this patient to continue therapy and allow me to help. The next point on the worksheet says, this perception is a limiting and limited picture, which is constructed from a maximum of nine bits of data during this period of time that my brain cells are processing at least 10,000 bits of data, and probably there's an excess of 20 trillion bits of data hitting my senses, so it's an extremely limited picture. And by canceling my goal, my replicate mind's reality collapses and gives me direct contact with the denied and dissociated parts of my carbon-based memory. And that part of my carbon-based memory always projects and blames others for its content. It's just been trained to do that. It's been programmed to do that. It's an automatic process. It's what Guy Finley calls the mechanical level of mind. And I want to collapse that process by canceling my goal. And so the action step that follows is, while holding love, conscious, active, and present, I now choose to collapse my mind's lies by willingly canceling my goal for this patient to continue therapy and allow me to help. And I'm going to invite Ruka Dukucha, which is the word for an ancient elemental word, which is the ancient Aramaic word for an elemental force specific to humans that each and every one of us has access to that sort of break off the effects of our errors in thought and guide us to truth and happiness if we just ask it to. So I'm going to ask that force to incline me toward healing, to restore me to my awareness of my newborn essence as love, to heal my denial, 
the denial about how I'm the one creating any negative emotion I experience, and to heal my capacity to generate, in this case, sadness. And I'm going to ask that force to help me open a direct conscious relationship with and gently remove the denied, dissociated, and projected parts of my carbon-based memory. I'm going to breathe and soften and move into a little meditation where I put my hand over my heart space. And I do the forgiveness pattern, which is available on the MindShiftersAcademy.org website on the educational materials page. And it goes something like this. I cancel my need to be right. I cancel my need for anyone or anything to change, including myself. I specifically cancel my goal in this worksheet. I put my conscious logical mind on the shelf for now, and I ask to be shown the hidden part of my own mind that's actually creating this upset. And then I just breathe, and I soften, and I allow, and I trust whatever comes to mind is going to be part of what I need to see to begin to heal here and move forward. That everything that comes to mind is old stuff, can't hurt me more than it already has. It's perfectly safe for me to see it and feel it and study it as it washes over me, as I cancel my need for this patient to continue therapy and allow me to help. I ask to be shown the hidden part of my own mind that's actually generating sadness. and I soften, and I breathe. And I come up with several things, and I breathe, and I soften, and I scan my body, and I move to step six in the worksheet. And step six asks what I'm feeling right now. And I would say I'm feeling calmer, and... I'm going to just write here associated memories from various times in my life. And I will probably do a worksheet on two or three of those memories one involving my ex-wife and one involving a previous patient, a different previous patient. and one involving my father. So I'm just making quick, relatively quick notes about that. And I breathe and I soften. And then step 6C asks me to be shown a time when I've not fulfilled a goal of staying with a therapeutic process that might help me or doing you know, the next right thing. 
taking full responsibility for creating my own emotions. And I hit next and it says, okay, step seven. A principle of the universe is that by giving, I first get the original. So I'm going to think about this patient and say I'm grateful for this opportunity to heal and I'm going to choose truth and choose perfect love and I'm going to set the loving goal of doing these two worksheets that popped into mind related to situations from my ex-wife and my father. And then it says I'm asked to commit to love, to living a human life. And in order to do that, I'm going to cancel, do a mass canceling of all the times I've wanted somebody else to do the next right thing and take full responsibility for their work. and for their creation of their own emotions. And I would say I'm down to about a level three of um, an emotional intensity or upset, and I count that a successful worksheet, and hit the next button, and it asks me if I want to show the results in a PDF so I can email it to myself, which I do. And I set that to email and now we have plenty of time for comments questions answers testimonials 563-999-3581 how can we use this process to clarify things for you What would be of value to you in discussing this? So here's a person who texted me on Tuesday night, just a digital signals arriving on the phone. And my mind creates a negative interpretation about that situation. And the more I pour my mind energy into it, the more I generated the emotion of sadness, regret, frustration. There's another worksheet I can do on frustration. And I know that whatever's going on in this other person's life and whatever negative emotions she would generate for herself are not about me. There's some real things that happened, and I have responsibility for those, and yet I understand that the core of this work is when somebody does something, they have responsibility for what they do, but they're not creating my emotions in that process. And 
I create my emotions every time I choose an interpretation of good, bad, or otherwise and place it on my life events in the moment. And ever since this happened on Tuesday night, I have been generating that negative emotional state and guessing and second-guessing what's mine to do here. Even though, at an intellectual level, I know very solidly I've done what I can do within the ethics of my profession and the situation as it unfolded. You know, it isn't... um, ethical for me to pursue this person and say, oh, please come back to therapy and I can fix this, and that isn't ethical. So, having made an apology, I have to just let it be, whatever it's going to be. I have to understand and remind myself that the conditioning I've had for decades that says other people cause my emotions and I cause other people's emotions is not accurate. It's not how how the system truly works. And I may need to remind myself many, many times in the next few days and weeks, and I may have to do multiple worksheets around this set of thoughts that I've been trained to... Um, buy into because it's not an accurate set of thoughts it's not an accurate observation to say I caused a problem for this person or that I'm responsible for the negative emotions that he or she would feel just as they aren't responsible for any negative emotions I create in response to this to the interpretation I'm choosing about this set of events. So the call-in number is 563-999-3581. Call that number, press 1, we can have a conversation, hopefully. There is no one in the chat room, although it does seem as though the chat room is back up and running I haven't had anybody in a chat room for months now because the chat room has been dysfunctional I am attempting to turn on the microphone for area code 541 is this Celinda? yes it is I want to thank you very much for two things again for the first one is that I think this is a blockbuster that you came to the awareness that perhaps doing worksheets, your worksheet online would encourage other people to offer theirs. And I really appreciate this morning's because I had never opened up the app to follow you before. I have it on my phone, but I've never used it. Uh, Because in my mind, I believe that I, I assumed that the seventh step would be just like the other seven steps that was on the website with all of the additional information with it. And uh, now it's simple enough for me and direct enough for me that I'm going to explore it, especially since I found out that 
I could download a PDF because before I thought I had to print it, and I don't have a printer. So thank you very much. And also the one question I have, and you may not know the answer to this, which I can call, I mean call, or I can text Jeannie about. Um, I noticed behind the terms there are little asterisks. Are you aware of whether those uh, definition of those terms are somewhere else on the app, or do um, I need to go to the website or look at a printout? Well, the app says the app says when you click the asterisk beside any word, you bring up a list of definitions. Oh, perfect. So when you touch your your phone. When it says, you know, uh, on that first page, it says sustained incoherence. If you mm-hmm. tap in that area, it brings up a list of definitions for carbon-based memory, replicate mind, sustained incoherence, fear and hostility, dissociation, shebag, and ruka de kucha. And you can Perfect. scroll through okay. that on the page. Perfect. I hadn't seen that on the app because I had just opened it up for the first time, the new app. (laughs) Great. Thank you so much. That's the question I wanted answered, and I love your patter going along with the uh, worksheet. Thank you for that Um, creative opportunity that you, you did create, and that's all I have for today. All right. So is it still... Still snowing in Illinois by chance? <laughs> no, we've had rain, but not snow for a while. So there's no snow on the ground. Yeah, we're still white here. Okay, thank you so much. All right, you're welcome and deserving. Thank you for the call. Bye bye. So five six three nine 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 three five eight one. Any additional comments or questions about that worksheet or about the worksheet process itself or about how or why this might be of value? Anytime I generate negative thoughts about a thing, even though I'm not actively, uh, aggressively upset about the interpretation that I placed on this, this this text message and the events of Tuesday, even though I am not actively sitting at an upset level of 8 or 9 or 10, I can still get benefit from doing the worksheet. And that's one of the things that stumbled across a number of years ago in this work is that originally I just thought, well, I'll have to wait until I have some really big upset so I've got something to do a worksheet on. And after a while I I realized that if I keep having a thought about something that's happened, even if I I wouldn't... um, label those thoughts as upsetting if I'm still thinking about something hours or days after it occurred chances are really good 
that I would benefit from doing a worksheet on those thoughts. And in that way, I've accelerated my progress in this work because I don't wait until I'm in a rage or in a depression or, you know, in a panic attack. I start working with the energies far earlier in the process and with a willingness that helps me experience a lot more resolution more quickly. So perhaps that would be a value to you as well, that you learn that you can start doing worksheets anytime you have thoughts about something that's happened even hours ago or even days ago. And you may not be in the experience of deep turmoil or rage or deep depression or deep hurt or sadness or fear. But if you keep thinking about something that's in the past, chances are really good a worksheet will benefit your process and help you dismantle the false beliefs that we now understand are in us which keep generating those negative thoughts. A belief in me is kind of like a, a, a boiler in a building. It's just there and it's on and it's running and it's sending heat. And it just keeps doing its thing. Well, any belief I have about anything is generating thoughts in association or in, in resonance with that belief, and they can be triggered into activity anytime I choose an interpretation that is in resonance with them. So if I keep having a thought that's unpleasant or I would label it as negative, it's a really good thing for me to, from time to time, go exploring for what belief must I be holding in order for this kind of thought to keep generating in my experience. And if I do that with consistency and with persistence, I can then apply tools like this to dismantle those beliefs because if they're generating a negative thought, I can understand from great observation over the decades that it must be a false belief. Or even if it's a true and accurate belief, I'm using it or misinterpreting it in a way as to generate negativity that's not necessary and not helpful in my life. So, 563-999-3581. Do you have questions about the worksheet process? Do you have questions about how this worksheet was useful for me? Do you have comments? 
Do you have suggestions for a topic other than this? We've got about 15 minutes left before our second hour. The second hour today will be a recording. Michael and Jeannie are otherwise occupied, at, at least for now, the, the news is they are on the road going to their previously mentioned family get-together. So we have time for a comment or question before we start the second part of our show. How can we support you? What's on your mind? 563-999-3581. Call that number. Press 1. Let us know what's on your mind. I'll remind us all that we have a support group again tonight since it's a Thursday. And all the information needed to join us for that, absolutely free, is on MindShiftersAcademy.org website. We'd be happy to have you join us or have you pass that information along to somebody you think might benefit. And if nobody has a comment or a question for the last 14 minutes, I'm happy to let this go and start our second portion of our show today. Jeannie has asked me to play a recording titled Communication Part 2. Apparently there have been two full hours on communication. It might be communication, did you hear what I think I said? Or it might be something else. So it's like a surprise. So I'll remind us all that we come from love. We're made of the stuff we call love. We actually are love and everything else is false. This is your second hour. Gee, you know, when I saw you come in the room and do that, I thought that you were angry. Now, somebody who's defensive might jump in and say, well, I wasn't angry. You know I'm never angry. Anybody ever known somebody that plays that game? It's like, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. I'm not saying that you were angry. I'm just saying that I have an issue, and I felt like you were angry. That's something about me. That's not about you. And then you want to identify the issue that you have in terms that makes you responsible for it. And so oftentimes people's communication will fit, end with, and you were angry, as though that's the problem. And the truth is, if that were an accurate scenario that you were involved in, and you were in upset, the problem is not the fact that, let's say I was angry. That's not the problem. The problem is that my anger triggered fear in you. So when you're doing the subjective observation, you're using language that reflects that this is about a reality in your mind. I'm not saying you were angry. I'm saying I felt like you were angry, and that's not the issue. What I'm realizing is that I was afraid. Now you're starting to describe your issue. And when in communication there is a conflict, there's an interesting thing that happens. 
we usually have two people involved in a conflict and what happens is person one in the conflict has an issue and a problem reality and all of the, their words try to convince person two that it's their fault person two at the same time has a problem reality and all of their words try to convince the other person that it's their fault so person one stands insisting that person two should fix what's going on in their mind person two stands insisting that person one should clean up their act so that person two won't have an upset in their minds but remember when you looked at the uh, two-door igloo up there the, the, the two-door igloo came from the content of the mind looking at the situation and when I recognize that I have a painful reality in me, if I'm going to blame everybody else for it, probably most people are going to go in the other direction. Because most people, when they were little people, tried to fix other people's realities and figured out you can't do it. And all you can do is lose. In fact, most people, when they were this high, made up realities when they tried to fix it for somebody else of, it's hopeless, it's helpless, and it's all my fault. And the minute you start telling somebody else that they're responsible for what's in your mind and that you're supposed to fix it, that usually triggers in most people, hopeless, helpless, it's my fault, and they want to leave. But your communication is about wanting to keep somebody there with you. Your communication is about creating an interaction where each person can place the reality in their mind intact into the other person's mind. You do that by using words that describe the content of your mind as though you know it's the content of your mind rather than something that's all their fault. So we're turning around the communication of the world. Because when you recognize that your mind is an evidential device and you use projection communication you made me mad here's what happens you hide the part of your mind with which you create your anger and you use that part of your mind and you put it into your brain's image of everybody else and so now all of a sudden everybody else is responsible for your anger guess what you just did you made it impossible for you to ever heal your anger as long as you hold your mind in that posture and you use projection language, you made me angry, you're saying, mind, build me a reality about them that shows me that I have nothing to do with my anger, that it's all their fault. Now, the person who knows that they're responsible for their own upset, their own anger, their own sadness, their own fear, is going to use responsibility communication. And responsibility communication is going to look more like you know, when such and such happened last night, that brought a lot of anger up in me. And I really want to be responsible for and heal my anger. Would you support me in that? Now, just check out how that feels. Let's imagine that any one of you watching this video right now or here in our audience, we're in a one-in-one -one situation, and in one case, I communicate with projection communication. You know, what you did last night was really nasty and things better change around here because you really peeved me. How does that feel to everybody? Does that warm the cockles of your heart and make you want to be right here with me and support me in my process? <laughs> Not highly likely. 
But let's change that to some responsibility communication. You know, last night when thus and so happened, anger came up in me. And what I know is I really want to be responsible for and heal my anger. Would you support me in that? How much easier is it going to be to stay in relationship in that situation than the one where somebody's wagging their finger in your face telling you it's all your fault? It makes the difference of aliveness in relationship and death of relationship. Now, if you think about the family home that you came from, the school system that you came up in, the entertainment world that you see, the educational world that you were in, how often in any of those worlds, when you saw two people in communication with each other over an upset, did one of them turn to the other and say, you know, when you did thus and so last night, I had a lot of anger come up in me, and I'd really like to be responsible for and heal my anger. Would you support me? How many saw that as the way behavior was modeled in your world? It's virtually unheard of in our culture. Because our whole culture is about projection language. The whole language base of our culture is, you made me mad, you made me sad, you made me afraid. It's all your fault. And so, of course, everybody's going around holding that it's everybody else's fault because they just told their minds to show them that it's everybody else's fault. Now, I have a question for you. If you lived in that world of it's everybody else's fault, how is it possible that they could be the one with the problem when you're the one with the pain? Something about that doesn't make sense. When you're in pain, you're in pain because there's an energy happening in you that doesn't belong in you. When you're in pain, it doesn't mean that somebody else did something wrong. Now, they may have. But them doing something wrong is not the cause of your pain. The cause of your pain is the fact that there is an energy in you that doesn't belong in you, and you'll keep that energy hidden from yourself as long as you use projection communication. And in fact, when you hold something painful in you that you don't want to deal with, that you don't want to look at, Here's what happens. I, I had the privilege about 20 years ago of getting to do some work with a gentleman named Marcel Vogel, who was a 23-year senior scientist from IBM. Marcel had instrumentation in the laboratory with which to take the picture of the high-energy waves that leave the mind when we think a thought. Literally, if you hold something painful in you that you don't want to deal with and that you keep doing projection communication about, every time you communicate about it, that energy in you is intensified. Marcel Vogel would be able to take a picture of that intensified energy. And that intensified energy sets up a wave that literally resonates or draws somebody to you to play that out with you. And so by using projection communication, you guarantee that more and more and more people are going to come and do whatever it is that you don't want to have done with you. In fact, if there's only one person on the planet who's capable of playing that dynamic out with you, 
You're going to set up a resonance that will draw them to you. If that one person is in China today, they don't know what it is, what the energy is that inclined them to get on an airplane and go to New York and arrive there the same day you happen to be going to New York. They don't know what the energy was that inclined them to walk down the incorrect hallway and meet you at the corner and do whatever the behavior was. But they're going to show up in your world because you need them in your world. Well, wait a minute. I've already got this pain in here. Why do I need somebody to inflict pain on me? What do you, you're crazy, Michael. No, as long as you've got pain in you, you need somebody who will show you your pain so that you can change your mind about it so that you can bring it forward to love and transform it. You need those people who can show you those parts of you. And life guarantees to provide you that because the purpose of life, once you put something into your structure that doesn't belong there, is to kick you right square in the limitation, to show you exactly what you're holding on. And when you hang on to that, when you hang out with that continuously, you're always drawing somebody in to play it out with you. So if I come in looking angry and you go into terror when I throw the eraser, your issue is not my anger, and that's where most people want to stop. Your issue is your terror. Most people don't ever go that far in their own minds as to identifying their issue. They stop short with, well, the problem is what they did out there. No, 100% of the time, if there's pain in you, the problem is what you're feeling in here. And it's not until you communicate accurately that your mind can show you that. And once you communicate accurately and your mind can show you that, then and only then can you correct that part of your mind. And so, the subjective observation identifies your thoughts and feelings, again, in terms that makes you responsible for it. And if you, the, the idea of this step is to reflect and own your reality, not to prove that your reality is true about them. And you want to get that reality that you hold... And what's the reality in that situation that we're describing? Well, gee, you know, the truth is, I realize I've got some terror. I'd rather sit here and talk about your anger and how you threw that eraser. But the truth is, what I really need to communicate about, what I really need to get intact into your mind is, that when I perceive somebody as angry, I have terror. Terror in your tissue structure, if you don't ever deal with it, will kill you. Terror is an energy that doesn't belong in human tissue. The thoughts of terror create the chemistry that destroys the cell. When you communicate accurately, you can recapture that chemistry, that energy of that thought, and bring it forward to what was called the altar. The ancient teachings, the conscious mind was called the altar, A-L-T-E-R. That's where you can alter or change an unconscious dynamic. So as long as you keep your terror hidden, then it's eating away wherever it's stored. The idea of responsibility communication is, if I have terror in me, I want to know it. I want to access it. I want to bring it up out of my cellular structure. And I want to be done with it.
There's a really powerful beatitude that goes into that. It's interesting, and again, you know, talking about translations earlier. In the Beatitudes, we're told that each of the Beatitudes starts out with a statement that says, blessed are they. Blessed are they, blessed are they, blessed are they. This has got to be a really important idea because this is Yeshua's first public teaching. And he uses that term repeatedly. The word, interestingly enough, in Aramaic is the word tuvehun. There is no justification for translating that word as blessed are they. None whatsoever. What it means in Aramaic is this. A latent or an unconscious neural structure implanted by God to guide you to happiness and well-being becomes your conscious possession, you who, and then what follows each, each time the word blessed are they in the Greek translations is repeated, that's what it says, and then what follows is a set of instructions for how to get that neural structure activated that the Creator put in you to start with. And the beatitude that traditionally is translated as Blessed are they mourning their wrongs, for they will be comforted. In Aramaic, here's what it translates. A latent neural structure implanted by God to guide you to happiness and well-being becomes your conscious possession. You who love truth, you who look into your errors in thought and the errors of your society, for you will be cured of mental stress. That's what he said 2,000 years ago. He was teaching you how to heal your diseases. He was teaching you how to access the mind energy that created destructive chemistry that would destroy you. And that if you love truth enough, and you're willing to look into your errors in thought and the errors of your society, what you would do, would you, you would be able to recapture that destructive chemistry that is in the cell, bring it back to mental awareness, and transform it. This is another piece that Paul had where he said, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. The steps were about reaccessing hidden parts of ourselves and cleaning them up so we could heal. And projection communication guarantees your inability to heal. Responsibility communication shows you the parts of you that are in need of healing. The parts of you that you need to recapture. And by taking responsibility, and, and a lot of people interpret responsibility as, well, are you saying I'm to blame for this? This is all my fault? Notice there's nothing in the word responsibility about fault or blame. Responsibility is simply a tool for accessing a hidden part of your mind. And when you can access those hidden parts of your mind, then you can clean them up again. This set of tools, responsibility communication, we've done three steps out of seven, shows the beginning point of how to access hidden parts of your mind. How to get to the point where you love truth so much that you are willing to sacrifice your story about being an innocent victim and how it's all everybody else's fault. Again, the average person who has terror about what they perceive to be someone else's anger never looks at, acknowledges, or communicates about their terror and therefore never gets to clean it up. 
In the Aramaic language, the word forgive has nothing whatsoever to do with letting other people off the hook because you have something painful happening inside of you. And the whole communication system of our culture is used to keep things hidden from ourselves. And what we hide from ourselves is what creates our diseases. So by loving truth enough and communicating responsibly and owning our own issues in a situation, we give our minds permission to take things that perhaps have been hidden from us for generations. Bring them back to awareness. Some of those things we made up when we were two and three and four and didn't have a clue as to what was going on. Some of those things came to us genetically. It's time for us to become aware of those things again. This set of tools allows that. Let's take a short intermission. So we've looked at the first three steps of responsibility communication. And then the fourth step, you get to say what you want. Number four, what I want. And at this stage, what most people do, their natural form of communication is, of course, there's an upset, so there's some form of hostility or fear. So all they want to do is solve the problem. And the problem is, you came home angry. If you just never come home angry again, everything would be fine. So they think what they want is to solve the problem. What we're going to suggest to you at this stage is that problem solving is the last thing you want to do. Because you draw to you the experiences you have because you need those experiences. And when those experiences bring pain to you, you need to be about healing your pain. You don't need to be about changing their behavior so that you never get to deal with your pain. We do a workshop called, well, actually it'll be uh, the workshop we're doing this evening, right after this, on codependence. And what we'll see is that when one lives out of that codependent state, in that codependent state, they're limited in their behaviors. And one of the behaviors, one of the things they think will solve all their problems is if they could just control everybody in the world. And people who live out of that state of what we call non-being would simply control everybody so that nobody, nobody would approach and show them the part of themselves that they need to be responsible for and heal. And so by controlling the world, they would assure their own death. Because the energy they need to heal is their physiological disease. What we're suggesting you want to do is in coming from being, you want to own and be responsible for and find the parts of you you need to heal and with your communication enlist support for healing those parts of yourself. And so step four is a request that always relates to receiving support and healing the issue you described in number three. So what I want is, and it relates to having support for healing.
and it's healing the issue identified and you want to make sure you keep on track that you're about healing the issue you identified in number three it's not about changing them it's not about manipulating them it's not about getting them to never come home angry again it's about how do you gather support for finding the part of you that attracts that behavior repeatedly if you utilize this as a tool to solve your problems to get others to change it will backfire on you if it's used to manipulate others it will backfire the more specific you are in identifying your painful reality in this situation the more powerful this will be in your healing process and if, if you don't get the support you want you know at this stage when you own it you say gee I had pain this brought pain up for me you know there are going to be some, some people will say all right good I'm delighted that's exactly what I wanted for you well that might be the place to, to start looking at what's the part of me that attracts people who don't support me why do I feel like I need to be in a space of no support and it might be a place to turn to one of the other tools you might pick up the reality management sheet you might pick up the commitment from the healing through relationships workshop and so this isn't the only tool that we're offering there's a whole range of tools and of course this would tend to be a tool you would use more often in situations where you've got some cooperation where you can elicit some support for healing and so if you don't gather support then you start looking at what's the part of me that I need to heal that feels like I don't deserve support because I'm obviously not creating support in my world and so it becomes a big clue now the next step in the process of healing can be an extremely difficult step because what you have to do is you have to actually listen to the person you're talking to as though they were intelligent <laughs> and they might have some answers for you now your mind believes that they're the problem because you're able to hide the part of you that's in need of healing when you bring two people together that in con are in conflict you've got two people who have painful realities that they need to be responsible for and heal when they set up responsibility communication they'll stop playing the game of I think you should change my mind and this person says and I think you should change my mind and so neither mind ever gets changed into a cooperative effort for where each takes responsibility and person one says you know I realize I have a painful reality and I really want to be about healing that would you support me and person two says and you know what I have a painful reality too and I'd really like to gather some support for healing that let's join in support of doing that rather than each one standing insisting that the other one's got to fix our mind so you actually treat this person as though they've got some intelligence and the person who can resonate the problem that you have is very likely the person who carries the energy of the solution if you can set up an actual healing situation so the, you start number five out with do you have any ideas and the reason you do that is because if you're in pain and a lot of people say well you know I, I know what my problem is if you knew what your problem was your problem would be solved 
The minute that you have a problem and you're in some kind of turmoil or pain and you hold that you already know what your problem is, you're lying to yourself. You don't know what your problem is or you would have already taken care of it. Your non-being mind, this mind of hostility and fear, says, I know what the problem is, and that's its total projection. And so this set of tools is about bringing responsibility back and finding those parts of me that I've been hiding from myself. It's about moving out of blockage of truth into love of truth. And so you ask this question with an open mind, not a mind that thinks it already knows the answer. And if they don't give you the answer you want, you get upset with them. So in number five, it's, do you have any ideas? Now, in the situation we talked about with the eraser and all, let's say that my response to you is, as you ask if I have any ideas, is, well, you know, let's sit down to a worksheet. We'll take the reality management worksheet from why is this happening to me again, that forgiveness process, and we'll do that process. And so we do the worksheet, and all of a sudden, boom, there you are, you discover that, gee, when I was a kid, you know, Dad was an alcoholic. I was the smallest one in the family. And half the time when Dad was drunk, he was a happy drunk and he had gifts for us all. And the other half of the time, he was an angry drunk and he beat up on us. And all the big kids in the family pushed me out when he came to the door so that they could figure out which mood he was in and whether they needed to scatter or be first in line to get the gifts he had. So that's a major issue that someone would hold in their physiology because at least half the time they went out, they got beat up. So that might be the discovery in the worksheet process for this person. And then, having discovered that, it might be time to add another solution into the healing process or another step into it. So in number six... I might feel as I get in touch with that trauma and, and the, you know, the actual body trauma of that memory, I might decide that, gee, you know what I really need to do is do some still point breathing. Would you breathe me? So there's a place for you, once you've listened to their solution and participated, there's a place for you to offer, I think, what would help. is, and you might ask for support in doing a breath session. And so you've moved through a lot of issues in doing this responsibility communication. And doing one worksheet and one breath session might not be an end of having been pushed out a hundred times in front of somebody who was angry and beat up on you. So then in step seven, the final step in the process of responsibility communication is there might be need for problem solving. You know, gee, I realize that I have this issue of terror when somebody comes in. You know, I was reading that book and you came in and, gee, I, I didn't realize that you were trying out for a play and, and you had to come in looking angry and didn't even realize I was in the room. I just thought you were terrorizing me. And so... 
how about now that we've discovered I have this issue and it might be one of my 77 times 70 worksheet issues, this isn't going to all disappear in one session. How about we problem solve here? And problem solving might look like, you know, if you have one of those bad days at the office and you're angry, you know that I'm sensitive to somebody coming home like that and surprising me. How about if you just pick up the phone before you come and say, hey, you know, I've, I've had one of those bad days. And be aware of it and don't pay any attention to what I say or do. So now we've solved the problem and we've done the healing work that's necessary. And the way that that was done was through responsibility communication. Once somebody can, without blame, put the reality that's between their ears into the mind of another person, understanding unfolds. When you couch the reality between your ears in words that make somebody else to blame, it tends to cut communication. When you can utilize responsibility communication, it gets a whole lot easier for someone to hear you. I have another letter I'd like to share with you from a young man this time who did this workshop and took these tools to address a long-standing issue that he had had with his father around alcohol. This young man, and again, I've got his permission to share this, this young man had been an alcoholic and gone through AA and several treatment programs and finally came across this work and really started to work with this work. In fact, he's taught this work. And this is a letter that he wrote his dad about responsibility communication and opening some new levels of communication with his father. And it's in response to an email that his father sent him about his sister. So he writes back to him, Hi Dad, thank you for opening the door for conversation. I would like to talk with you to clear ever more space for our relationship. My commitment is to always be responsible for my own limited views on reality and refrain from projecting my feelings onto you or anyone else. So to first answer the question, was I ticked off at you? The answer is that no, I was not. Honest, I was very conscious of what was going on for me and it wasn't that. What was going on? Well, as you know, I do a lot of spiritual work every day, meditation, prayer, worksheets, etc. The goal of that work is simple. I hold it to be true that we are all love and that love is our essential nature, our essence. And all we need do is forgive all thoughts or energies that are less than love, and we will come into full expression as the incredible people that we are. Sometimes, often, this process is not Dr. Feelgood. It requires real courage to consistently be responsible for how I feel and how I see the world, others, and myself. As you know, it takes courage to take responsibility for, and then he's gotten brackets, so I can heal with God's help, feelings that are painful and may have been suppressed for decades. So yesterday, perhaps because I've been doing a lot of processing lately, some of my old painful realities kind of came up in my face. I admire your perceptiveness from yesterday because you picked up that a lot of my hostility was up and I would like to ask for your support to share it and heal it. 
I think the trigger for me yesterday was the glass of red wine next to you on the deck. I saw it and reacted like Pavlov's dog. In spite of myself, I was filled with this hostility from the past. I share this with you now for two reasons. One is to process my feelings, to be responsible and let go, so that whatever you do or say in the future, I will be able to hold a space of love inside myself when we're together physically or even just in my thoughts. This is not about manipulating you or getting you to change your behavior. It's about continuing to create an honest relationship with you, especially where honesty has not existed before. The second reason is because I owe you the truth. As part of your support team, I owe it to you to speak about things that I see as potential blind spots or trouble spots. I have been bothered recently by the thought that Robin, in a significant way, Robin is his sister, has been a more faithful daughter to you than I have been a son. She spoke her honest thoughts to you, specifically about drinking, regardless of what feelings or reaction it might trigger. Her intentions may or may not have been loving ones, but my intentions are supportive and loving for both of us. Dad, for years, my brother and I have treasured the opportunity to go with, to you with our life's challenges. I will continue to love and to turn to you. We have also known that we had to do it during the day, preferably a work day, because you're just not the same person at night or on Sunday afternoon. This is because of alcohol. There is a shift in you after you've had two or three drinks. Not every time, maybe, but certainly sometimes. There is often a strongly sarcastic energy, sometimes only toward the TV, that comes out that is not present in you when you're sober. Why did this glass of wine bring up so much hostility in me yesterday? I can only guess that it has to do with suppression over many years. I have come to recognize this as a family motto. It's been passed from generation to generation. I noticed it on the phone when I was offering mom support in her effort to stop drinking. She admitted that she felt angry at the fact that I even brought it up. Imagine that. After all I've been through with detox and AA and all, I've been humbled completely in this area. It's still not permitted in our family culture for me to offer support to mom in her, her effort to drop alcohol. That happened two days ago and it brought some tender feelings up for me. I see it in comments from my grandmother regarding a book about the Irish and Southie she told our cousin, that never happened. Nobody ever did that. That book was a Pulitzer Prize winning autobiography of a child's memories. Of course it happened. This is how our brains work, though. If something is painful, we think we can make it go away by condemning even the thought of it. Can you imagine saying to Nanny when you were a child, Mom, I'd like to have a serious talk with you about the way you talk to Dad. It really brings pain up for me when you say harsh things to him. I don't think you ever had a safe relationship with either of your parents to do what we now have the opportunity to do. I honor you and mom for creating a family structure that is so loving that I am now sending you this note. 
You and mom have done incredible work for our whole family line. Also know that our relationship and our family is more important than any issue. I am in it forever. And as a friend once said to me, in it to win it. We can win as a family by always growing in love. In too many families, these things get taken to the grave, literally. I can remember being a child and even mentioning a word about mom drinking and being harshly treated for bringing up that subject. It was taboo and not my place as a child to talk about it. I learned that it wasn't safe to discuss. When I got older, I learned that I could express ideas that seemed unsafe by using sarcasm. Now I know the devastating effects on my own body of using sarcasm. The word actually comes from a term that means to tear flesh. It is as destructive to the body as smoking is, I suspect. So I don't do it anymore, and when I'm conscious of my behavior, I change it. You only need to listen to Uncle Bob on any given holiday to notice how sarcasm is a means of expressing hostility that we have each been raised to suppress. So that's all part of what was going on for me yesterday. I would like to talk about it with you in a positive space. I also, in a general way, will commit to getting out of your face. I've noticed, and I didn't like it, my own behavior at the beach house telling you you have to, be, you have to change if you want to be healthy at 77. That was a stupid approach to you and not who I want to be. I promise to work toward always giving you the space to do and be what you choose as I now have the space to do and be what I choose. I guess this is all about letting go of resentment that I created in myself because I felt I couldn't be honest with you in a safe way. If it's not appropriate for me to be around you in a certain state, I'll make sure that I make the choice for myself and find something else to do. I imagine that this saying, this statement, pardon me, I imagine that this statement may bring up some tender feelings for you. If so, notice that I'm always there to support you. I'm always committed to being your son to the best of my ability. So if you're feeling something like, son, I know drinking is not the healthiest choice for me. I have thought about stopping, but I think my life works fine with it and I enjoy it. Then I can support your right to choose and I begin to truly mind my own business knowing that you know where I stand and being free from pretending it's not a factor in my life or our relationship because it's been a huge factor. I'm 33 now. I'm responsible for me. You are responsible for you. In not that context, I'm ready to start again and support you in any way I can with love. How many of us have ever had a challenge with a family member that included issues at that depth? Maybe not that particular issue, but issues at that depth. And the minute we opened the door to communication, the communication was about blame and what they had done and how they destroyed. Do you see the shift that takes place when this young man has the courage to take responsibility? And as you think about the stages and the steps in that letter, how huge the issues are that he's just finally faced at the age of 33 and worked through right there in two pieces of paper. 
Issues that, as he says, oftentimes go to the grave with us. Communication is such an important key in our relationships that without it, relationships wither and die. Projection communication causes the death of relationship. Responsibility communication not only brings relationship back to life, but it opens the internal dynamics of the person who's doing the responsibility communication so that the hidden parts of their minds can be seen. And when those hidden parts can be seen, they can be changed. We can move out of the world, I'm right, you're wrong, it's settled, why argue? And as we do that, we can undo a lifetime of issues that have come from a multitude of generations. Because on an energetic level, we inherit the ways of dealing with things that our parents had and their parents and their parents. And we tend to pass those on to our children. When you recognize that the mind is an evidential device and you start to speak responsibly through it, you give it permission to see evidence totally differently. How many young men have raged at their fathers for their alcohol use and shattered their family systems? That letter that I wrote earlier, how many people in business situations, when they were unjustly accused, which that young woman obviously was unjustly accused, how many people just destroy what potentially holds great gifts for them? And as she was able to utilize responsibility communication, she opened some doors in business situations that otherwise she could have just slammed shut and been angry about for the rest of her life held resentment about. And resentment, I would offer, you know, there's, there's a, a lot of uh, conversation in the culture these days about flesh-eating bacteria. Guess what's going to create an environment on a cellular level for that kind of an organism to thrive? That's exactly the thing that's going to create the ideal environment. You know, there's that old saying, if you feed them, they will come. When you put an energy into tissue, we talked about Bruce Lipton, cell biologist, you think a thought, produces a neuropeptide, the neuropeptide becomes the chemistry. If you put destructive chemistry into a cell, that cell starts to deteriorate and that cell becomes food for the bacteria that go along with deterioration. When you can recapture through responsibility communication, that which, when we look at the tiny, you know, a, 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 an energetic wave, they talk about the quantum waves. A quantum wave, when collapsed into a cell that is of a destructive nature, looks like a thing we call a chemical. But when we can communicate, what we'll find is, when we take that out of suppression in the cell, we stop the deterioration of the cell, we access and bring it from its collapsed so-called chemical condition back to the wave and the wave can then be removed from the structure. In the ancient Aramaic language, removing from your structure those waves that never belonged in a human structure. 
becomes key. And the forgiveness process. If you haven't done the workshop, why is this happening to me again? I suggest that you get some materials on that workshop. You can go to our website, download and read the book for free. Get the instructions on the forgiveness process. It shows how to take all of those waves that we've collapsed into our chemistry that supports because there's degeneration happening and there's certain organisms that feed on degeneration that supports us being able to access those parts of ourselves and bring those parts forward for healing. When you unload what does not belong in the cell, the cell will naturally go back and rebuild itself. Because, you know, if you look back, you know, people will say, well, this person has a diseased heart or lung or liver or what have you. If you go back to the single cell at conception, there was no heart, no lung, no liver. What was there was an energetic pattern and an intelligence that built out of that energetic pattern a heart, a lung, or a liver. If someone puts into that heart or lung or liver an energy that doesn't belong there, then a degenerative process starts to take place, which we call disease. And all that's happening in that degenerative process is the power that continuously, pardon me, the power that continuously rebuilds each organ you know, if you look at soft tissues, depending whose numbers you take, somewhere between 60 and 120 days, every cell of every organ in your body, the soft tissue in your body, is totally regenerated. It's totally rebuilt. Now, it is either rebuilt according to the original perfect set of instructions, or if you've overlaid hostilities and fears upon it, those, those instruction sets are deteriorated and the resulting organs are deteriorated. When we can go back and recapture those energies with forgiveness and with responsibility communication, we literally remove those instruction sets that cause the deterioration and the next generation of cells come out healthier. Now, most people think that that process has to do with time because usually they watch it happening over a period of time. Well, you know, 10 years ago, this guy had a healthy liver and here he is now and it's degenerating. It must be because there was 10 years in between. Well, it's interesting in the, uh, in the Chinese language, the word for liver is the same word as the word anger. And if someone is continuously loading their liver up with anger, then their livers will start to degenerate over time. But time has got nothing to do with it. It's got to do with the qualities of energies that go in and interfere with the instruction sets for rebuilding. Responsibility communication allows you to recapture those instruction sets. And if they're no longer appropriate, if they come from hostility or fear and do not support your being, then by recapturing them, you get to forgive. You get to remove what never belonged in your structure in the first place. And that's the whole goal of this work, is to take us to the point where we can do that. Now, if you're going to take this set of tools, or as you take this set of tools... 
One of the things that tends to happen is people take real-life situations where they have real-life emotions, and the first time out of the shoot, they take this and they go, now I'm going to do responsibility communication with you. Guess how long that's going to last if you've got 20, 30, 40, 50 years of projection communication? It's going to last until the first emotion comes up. And you're going to be right back to the old pattern. So there's a rule that goes along with using these communication tools, responsibility communication. And I call it the rule of the three Ps. Practice, practice, practice. You want to go to work with these tools and you want to use them in a way that you're not confronting real-time emotional issues for you. So you want to pick out some silly situation. And using that silly situation, take the, the responsibility communication sheet. By the way, if you're watching this on video and you don't have a copy of the instruction set, you can go to our website, www.whyagain.com, W-H-Y-A-G-A-I-N.com, and download the worksheet. You just click on the right-hand side. There's a button that says worksheets, and you'll see that in that spot. But you take the worksheet, and you follow the steps step by step and pick some ridiculous situation you know go to a nursery rhyme book and open it up the cow jumped over the moon and the dish ran away with the spoon well I have an issue you know I'd like to get this issue cleaned up and I ask for your support in working through it objective observation the cow jumped over the moon subjective now I'm really upset because I was told the cows couldn't fly. And so I realize that I've got some upset that I'd like to heal. Do you have any ideas of how I might heal that upset? And here are some of my ideas. And by the way, it was my spoon and I really don't like them taking my, you know, take something ridiculous like that. And what you do is you build the brain cells. If you go back to Yeshua, he said that his work and his teaching were only for those who had the eyes to see and the ears to hear. I think we can fairly safely assume that most everybody in his audience had what we called physical eyes and ears. It wasn't about the physical eyes and ears. What it was about was those who had the brain cells. Remember our conversation about the two-door igloo? In order for the man from Guatemala to even start to be able to conceive of a two-door igloo, he had to have the eyes to see and the ears to hear. He had to have the information stored in brain cells so his mind could even conceive of such a thing. In order to even conceive of responsibility communication, you've got to build the brain cells for it. Now, we've started today in our workshop with building those brain cells. But there's a challenge in bringing this into actualization in your life. And the challenge is that you have a lot of brain cells that go in a totally different direction about communication. You have different goals for communication. There are a couple of things that you need to do if you really want to make this a functional tool for you. One is get a hold of that forgiveness process, the reality management sheet, and start to forgive. That is remove those old goals that have you going in another direction, using communication for blame or to overpower somebody or to win or whatever it is that you've used your communication for in the past. And then build the brain cells for what responsibility looks like. Build the brain cells for what it looks like to describe 
the reality that I hold in my mind with words that indicate that I know this is my reality and it's not about you. When I can do that, I will recapture a thousand generations of insanity from my past. And as I recapture and put an end to those generations, you know, you might remember that story about Moses and that whole group wandering in the desert for 40 years. Does anybody remember what had to happen in order for them to get out of the desert and into the promised land? They said the old generation had to die off. That didn't mean everybody in old physical bodies had to physically die. The root of the word generation is genari. It means cause. All of the old causes held in brain cells from the previous generations had to be uprooted. This is how to go directly to what needs to be uprooted. Uproot it and create a safe community of support around you for healing those dynamics in yourself. There's a very powerful proverb that comes out of Africa. And what that proverb says is, if you want to go far, go together. If you want to go quickly, go alone. Most people don't go very far in cleaning up their genetic past, their generations, if they try to do it on their own. They've got to be part of and build a community of support for being able to work through that. And that's what these tools are about. That's what these tools are for, is to undo the parts of our minds that don't work, that don't really support us, to uproot the generational patterns that keep us locked into hostility or fear. Our normal state as human beings is that of aliveness, joy, and creativity. Your structure I would offer is a custom designed device that is designed to experience the active presence of love on a cellular level 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Why is that? It's because you are made of the stuff called love. You live, move, and have your being in the stuff called love. Now, I've had people who say, well, gee, Michael, you know, if I'm made of love and I live, move, and have my being in love, and the Creator is love, why don't I feel it? Oh, you, being gifted as a Creator, have created for yourself other gods. And those other gods, when they are active in your mind, create graven images of hostility and fear. And you hold those graven images of hostility and fear before the love that you were designed for. If your generations have taught you to do that, then you have an habitual way of behaving that maintains the gods you worship most. And your feelings will tell you which gods you worship. You know, something unusual or something wonderful about the human being is that we're the only creature we know of that has the power of choice. We're the only creature we know of that can originate consciously mind energy. Every other creature's got to obey. There is no other creature that can make new choices like we can at least not that we know of. 
You know, you're not going to find a pair of robins that come home here after the winter is done and land in your backyard. And one of the robins turns to the other and says, you know, dear, we come to this beautiful backyard in Oklahoma City every year. And every year we come here, we build a robin's nest. I think this year we should build an Oriole model. I was looking at one of those when we were down in Florida. You're not going to find a robin that does that. The robin has within it the brain cells, the vibration, the guidance system to build a robin's nest. It can't change its mind. You are not going to find a salmon swimming in the warm South Pacific waters it, when it gets the call that says, say what? What was that you wanted me to do? Let me get this straight now. You, you want me to swim away from these nice warm South Pacific waters? Uh-huh. 3,000 miles, yeah, to that icy cold stream in which I was spawned. Uh-huh. And then what is it you want me to, you want me to swim upstream uh, against the current? Yeah. Get, it, let me get this clear. You want me to get beat half to death on the rocks, lay eggs, die, and as my body breaks up, the hatching eggs will eat my flesh and become the next... No, I think I'll stay here. You're not going to find a salmon that says, I'm going to stay here. It's going to do exactly what it was told to do. Because it can't originate mind energy. You were the only creature that was given the ability to engage in original creation. And if you and or your generations have engaged in the creation of a mindset of hostility and fear, it's time to change your mind. You were made for the embodiment of love. It's the stuff each newborn is made of. It is what you are made of. I join you and support you in being love in the world.